0: Welcome to Hollywood and Levine, I am Ken Levine, your podcast host. Well, a very cruel aspect of show business is rejection. Every actor, every writer, every director—we've all been rejected. In most cases, many times, it is just a fact of life. If you want to get into this industry, and sometimes it'll work out for the best. I think back to Lisa Kudrow who was fired off the pilot of Frasier and that left her available to take this other show called Friends. (laughs) We did her a huge favor. Uh, She wasn't thanking us at the time and it wasn't like my decision totally. uh, But the point is it's always tough to be rejected And what I want to do in this particular episode is kind of give you some heart, (laughs) kind of give you a a bit of a lift because, A, you're not the only one who's rejected, and, B, you can still be rejected numerous times and go on and have a fabulous career. So what I'm going to do this week is talk about 50 actors – That my partner, David Isaacs, and I have rejected over the course of our career. And in many cases, because I'll talk about each one individually, uh, they just weren't right for the part. Uh, You'll see why we rejected some of these people. And in other cases, we flat out made a mistake. Okay, (laughs) we had somebody great right in our midst and we let him get away because we were idiots and because it's very subjective and you don't know. There's a great story. Larry Gelbart, famous writer, when he was 21, he did a screen test for director George Cukor. And it didn't go very well and he didn't get the job. And of course, Larry drifted off and became one of the great comedy writers of all time. And then years later, he's at a party with George Kukor And he tells him that story that he did a screen test for him and it wasn't accepted. George Cukor said, well, why didn't you tell me who you were going to be? <laughs> you just don't know. So here are 50 actors. And I should also mention that since I'm now writing plays... And I'm trying to have readings and hopefully getting productions where I'm trying to get the best cast possible. I would kill to have half of these people who I rejected. So I'm going to go down this list of names, and some you're going to go, yeah, okay, I understand. And others you're going to go, are you an idiot? How could you let this person get away? But for whatever reason, the the place, the time, the pressure from the network, whatever, we weren't able to hire that particular person. So here we go. This is the top 50 actors that David Isaacs and I rejected. And we start with 1979, a pilot that we did for NBC called Characters. And we rejected... A young actress out of Canada who was doing a sketch show up there named Andrea Martin. Andrea Martin was fantastic. We had to reject her because the network didn't like her. But interesting sidelight, we went back to New York for a couple of days to read actors back there. And we taped the auditions of the ones that we really liked. And at the time we just had like a black and white camera and it was a two character. It was supposed to be like a Nichols and May improv group. And so if we had uh, an actress, I usually read the part of the actor. So I have here at home an audition tape of me and Andrea Martin. It's really cool. Also in that same pilot those same sessions in new york there was a young actor we also had another part for like a boyfriend and it was a young actor named matt williams and i've got a screen test of me and matt williams he too decided to go off in a different direction and become a writer and this is the same matt williams if you recognize the name who created Roseanne, and i think he also created home improvement well He was an actor and he was a lot better than me in that particular scene. When we were doing Aftermath, a young actor named Don Johnson came in. Good looking guy, but Don Johnson, you might remember, had kind of a rough period where he was into drugs and God knows what, and this was during that period. And I remember after the reading, he walked out and we all looked at each other and went like, oh, man, (laughs) we're never going to hear from that guy again. Of course, famous last words. And there he is on Miami Vice and everything else. Also, Martin Short. Now, we didn't technically reject Martin Short. I may have told the story before, but. Martin Short came in to read for us, and he was really good. And again, he too was from Canada, and at the time he was really unknown. But you could just tell that this guy was really, really talented, way more talented than the role required. And so we took him aside and we said, you know, if you want the part, it's yours, but we think you can do better. We think there are probably better parts out there for you that will utilize your abilities better than this. But if you want the part, it is a part on a network television show. Go for it. And he wisely passed. And, of course, we were right. Here's one that got away that I'm still kicking myself. Shelley Long. Again, we go back to the 1979 pilot characters which was about uh, Mike Nichols and Elaine May improv team and an improv group. And Shelley had just come from Chicago. She had been a part of Second City in Chicago. And we liked her a lot. And I don't know why, ultimately, we didn't go with her. Uh, I think there were other people that the network wanted us to look at instead. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> we then worked with uh, her on Cheers. And I remember going to the first run through and thinking to myself, what the fuck were we thinking not hiring her? She is just amazing. Elaine Boozler came in and read for that part. And she was very, very funny. We just worried about her acting chops, and she really didn't have. Uh, a lot of experience doing scripted material, but she was very, very funny. Great actress named Anne Jeffries. Anne Jeffries, for those who are baby boomers or older, will remember her in Topper. She was the ghost Marion in Topper, fine, fine actress, passed away just a couple of years ago, well into her 90s. At the time, she was in her 50s, and she came in, and she read, and, and she was great, and we wanted to hire her. But NBC said you have to bring her down and she has to be approved by the network. And Anne said, look, I'll read for you guys because you're the producers and you have a vision and I need to fit your vision. So I'm happy to read for you. But the network knows me. They know who the hell I am. I don't need to read for them. And the network insisted. So we had to pass on Anne Jeffries And that, too, is one that kind of kills me because she was terrific. Joe Piscopo came in to read for that pilot. And here's the thing about Joe Piscopo. He was very funny on Saturday Night Live. We're talking mm, mid-70s, I guess, because this pilot was 79, and he was already off of Saturday Night Live. And he became this bodybuilder, and he really changed his shape, and he also changed his personality. And there was just something about him where he just wasn't as funny anymore. Maybe he was taking himself more seriously. I don't know, but for whatever reason, Joe Piscopo came in, and we were disappointed. We had high hopes for Joe Piscopo. Another comic named Jeff Altman came in and read for us. He was a stand-up comic that NBC was wildly excited about. We read him and thought, "What?" I mean, he's okay, but he's not that great. And we passed, and we got a lot of pushback from NBC as a result of that. But we said, "We we don't get it. We just don't get it." And so they had to find a place for him, and they put him in the ill-fated variety show Pink Lady and Jeff, which, by the way, is the show that NBC picked up instead of ours. So they managed to get back at us, but uh, we did not hire Jeff Altman. Not that our show would have been any better with Jeff Altman. A really good actress, Swoosie Kurtz, She since has done a lot of television. At the time, she was a big Broadway star, and she was really the flavor of the month in uh, New York. She had all these demands. Way more demands than we were able to accommodate. And again, we sort of understood she had a big career going in New York. She didn't really need to do this. She had done a television series. Remember Mary Tyler Moore's variety show? That debacle Well, she was part of the supporting cast of that, and it was a very unpleasant experience, so she was not chomping at the bit to get back into television and do another pilot. There were any number of soap opera stars, and I don't know their names. Bouncing around, I I go back to 1979 when we were in New York, and a lot of soap operas, at least in the 70s, were done in New York at the time. And so these soap opera actors would come in to read for us. I don't watch soap operas, neither does my partner. So they would come in, we'd have no idea who they were. Now I'm sure when they were sitting in a cafe in Soho that people were coming up to them asking for autographs and pictures because they were stars, but we are not soap opera aficionados. So they would come in, and they would, like, pose. And they'd go, yeah, that's right, it's me, Jack, from One Life to Live. And then we'd go, like, okay, <laughs> fine, uh, do you have any questions about the script? They were always really, really pissed that we didn't know who they were. And by the way, none of them were really that great. This is one where... <sighs> we had such high hopes. We did a pilot which became a series in 1985 for Mary Tyler Moore called Mary. Needless to say, to work on a high-profile project like one starring Mary Tyler Moore, we got a lot of really amazing actors who came in And either met or read on the project. We had a part for her friend. Kind of the Rhoda part, I guess. But a very different character. Anyway, Sandy Dennis came in to meet with us. Now, Sandy Dennis, you talk about a Broadway star. I mean, Swoosie Kurtz was nothing compared to Sandy Dennis. She was sutton foster and bernadette peters they're all all into one ethel merman all into one she was huge for a while in the 60s she won any number of tonys she was the broadway darling she did a lot of movies she was great in the neil simon movie the out of towners with jack lemon she also starred in up the down staircase she was also in uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? She was a huge star. And she came in to meet on this show. And we thought, wow, wow. We get to be working with Sandy Dennis every day? This is just unbelievable. And she came in and she was very weird. And she talked about her problem with moving to los angeles was because she had 37 cats and she spent a half an hour talking about her cats and by the end of the meeting we were like not a chance not a chance for sandy dennis Uh, she unfortunately passed away very young but boy that was one that was a huge disappointment for us Ron Liebman, who just died fairly recently, he came in to read as sort of Mary's boss boyfriend, really terrific actor, but there were times when Ron Liebman would come in and be very forceful, and the way he played the part was flat-out scary. You just feared for Mary's life. So we passed on Rod Liebman. A fine actor named Robert Loggia came in. He was in Big, he was in Scarface. Those of a certain age might remember he starred in a TV series called T.H.E. Cat on, I believe, ABC back in the late 60s. He came in to read and way back in the 50s, he was on a limited series for Walt Disney called The Nine Lives of El Fado Baca. He played El Fado Baca. And like every week, it seems like he got killed, but he somehow survived. And this, I suppose, is a legend of somebody who actually existed sometime. I don't know. But when he came in, David and I both went, oh, my God, it's El Fago Baca. And you figure when you do that with an actor, oftentimes they'll be really charmed. Hey, wow, you remember that? Wow, you know, those are really fun days and everything. He glared at us and gave us a look like, what the fuck are you bringing that up for? Well, uh, that did not go real well. There was an actress who came in named Janet Margolin, and I was just in love. Uh, Janet Margolin had been in Take the Money and Run for Woody Allen. She was also in Annie Hall. She was also in David and Lisa. I think she played Lisa. But she came in and read, was not as funny as we needed, but sometimes... It's really cool to have an actress that you're in love with come into a room and want you to like her. That's really one of the perks. Um, Susan Strasberg came in to read. Here's one that, that got away, and, and I don't know what scared us off of this, but uh, Jerry Orbach. We should have gone with Jerry Orbach. He, he was great. Robert Vaughn came in and read. And he was sort of strange. So uh, kind of the way he read it, it's supposed to be kind of a light on his feet character. And he was playing it like Napoleon Solo. And it it just didn't work. There was uh, an actor named Barry Nelson who read. Sometimes these actors will come in and they'll read for you. But they don't really want the part. You know, their agent says, come on, it's Mary Tyler Moore, and what else are you doing this week? And it's like, okay, I'll go down. But then they read for you, and and you can just tell by the vibe they give off and their body language. It's like, uh, guys, um, I'm not excited about this. Uh, What am I reading? Okay. We had an actor, (laughs) Anthony Zerbe, you don't know who he is. Look him up. He came in and was all excited and ready to read. And we said, okay, so uh, you are available in the fall because we'll be shooting starting in October. And he goes, well, w- w- what do you mean shooting? This isn't just a pilot? I said, no, no, this is a series. We have 13 on the air. Oh. And then he tanked the reading. And we said, huh, come on, what happened there? And he goes, I'll be honest, guys. I'm just looking for a pilot. I'm looking for somebody to pay me $50,000 and then the show not goes and then I can go on and do something else. But I don't want to actually do a series. So Anthony Zerbe got rejected. Tom Conti, a fine British actor, but didn't want to read and didn't want to come over and even meet with us. So it's like, well, we can't have that. Murray Hamilton, very fine actor. He played the Mr. Robinson part in The Graduate. He was also in Jaws where he was the mayor. He just kind of missed the mark, and it was too bad because he was definitely a contender. Kathy Bates, Oscar winner, Kathy Bates. Again, this is for the Mary Project. We had a part for Mary's coworker and we wanted the coworker to be sort of a Fran Liebowitz, curmudgeon, disgruntled kind of character. And Kathy Bates came in Again, this was 1985, and she was very good, very, very good, and it came down to two people, Kathy Bates and this other young actress who had never really done much acting. She had been a harlet for Bette Midler, but we just kind of liked the fact that she was fresh and that nobody had ever seen her before, so... We went with her, and that was Katie Seagal. So we gave Katie Seagal the job over Kathy Bates. Carol Potter, we passed on her. She went on to uh, Melrose Place or Beverly Hills 91210, something like that. Rebecca Pigeon came in. David Mamet's wife. Okay. Here's a strange one. Ben Gazzara. I'm going to jump now to Frazier. So there was a part for Martin's partner. Martin, of course, was the dad played by John Mahoney. And in the series, he was supposed to be a former cop. And he was a cop on the beat, a uniformed police officer. So somebody in the room got the idea of Ben Gazzara. They go, oh, that's, that sounds really interesting. So they call up Ben Gazzara, and Ben Gazzara says, okay, I'll do it, but I want to play Ben Gazzara. And they said, well, wouldn't that be kind of weird? How do we explain that the character has the same name as you and that looks just like you? And he goes, no, no, I, I would play myself. And they said, yeah, but see, the part is you're supposed to be a police officer, in san francisco and he goes yeah but you're an actor he says yeah well i could sell the fact that i did both wait so when you're done filming your john cassavetes movie you go up to san francisco and give out parking tickets what that's the only way that ben gazzara would do the role needless to say They passed. Lisa Edelstein. Sometimes an actor will come in and read, and they're not right for the part, but you see a quality in them that you really like, and you make note of it, and you call them back for something later on. And that was the case with Lisa Edelstein. We were casting the show Big Wave Dave's, She came in and she really wasn't right for the part, but there was something like really intriguing about her. And you flash forward a couple of years when we're doing Almost Perfect and we came up with a part for a wife for Chip Zion. And we thought, ooh, you know, what was that girl's name Uh, from Big Wave Daves that had the, like, long brown hair. Lisa Edelstein, let's get her. And Lisa came in, and it was only supposed to be one shot. And she only had a few lines. But she was so good in those (laughs) three lines that we we gave her more. And within a few weeks, she became a series regular. But originally, we rejected her. Uh, Very similar for almost perfect we read jenna elfman and she wasn't right for whatever part that we saw her in but later on in the season there was another part and as we were writing the part we were thinking about that kooky blonde that thin kooky blonde whoever that was and so we gave Jen Elfman, I think her first job. Anyway, she was great. For Big Wave Daves, we passed on William H. Macy. Just wasn't right for the part. Although, <laughs> like I said, now that I'm a playwright, oh my God, I would kill to have William H. Macy in anything. In anything. Uh, Jan Michael Vincent came in and read. He wasn't terrific. David Warner. David Warner was a fine British actor there was uh, a movie I think it's called Time After Time it was written and directed by Nicholas Meyer and it was as if Jack the Ripper got in H.G. Wells time machine and went forward in time to present day at the time present day San Francisco and uh he played Jack the Ripper Malcolm McDowell played H.G. Wells, and he tried to track him down. Really a great actor. He'd been in an awful lot of things. And the part as written was not for a British guy, but we thought, well, that's kind of interesting. But, of course, we'd have to hear it. So we talked to the agent, and we said, if he's willing to come in and read, we would love to invite David Warner to try out for this part he came in to meet with us lovely guy we chatted for about 15-20 minutes and we finally said well okay um let's read and he goes "Um, I I can't read I, I, I I can't read we said well you're so different from how we envision the part we need a sense in our ears of what it is going to sound like with you doing it. Uh, I can't do it. I'm sorry. And we go, well, then, thanks. Nice to meet you. He leaves. Like three days later, we get a call from the agent saying, uh, he'll read now. He'll read now. And we go, okay. If he's willing to come back and read, great. He comes back, 20 minutes of charming chit chat. And the same thing, well, it's time to read. I, I, just, um, I thought about it. I was going to read, but I don't know, and I think... That, and, you know, we're not going to beg this guy to read. It's like, you don't want to read? Go home. And he did, and two days later, the agent called again and said, oh, okay, he's been brooding about this. He will come in and read. And we said, pass. That's it. Clearly, he doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want this job. Pass. Christine Baranski came in and read and was terrific, but just not the character that we were looking for. But Christine Baranski is somebody that when she comes in and reads, like Elisa Edelstein, you go, ooh, wow, yeah, There's something special here. She just wasn't right. Then there's the case of Jessica Harper. So Jessica Harper was this pretty young actress who was in Love and Death, the Woody Allen movie. She starred in a movie called Phantom of the Paradise. She was also in a terrific movie called My Favorite Year. She was in Pennies from Heaven with Steve Martin. So she had this movie career back in the early 70s. Very pretty, big doe brown eyes. I had a big crush on her. So it's 1975. And David and I are writing spec scripts trying to break into the business. And we're working out of my apartment in... West Hollywood. And we break for lunch one day and I need to go to the bank. And back in those days, of course, there were no ATMs. You went to the bank and you stood in line. So there was this long line at lunchtime and I find myself behind Jessica Harper. So I start talking to her and asking her about the Woody Allen movie and what was that like? And she was very gracious and affable and, you know, we had just this nice charming chit-chat as the line slowly made its way to the front. And when she got to the front, I did something that I normally never do. I asked her out and she said, well, thank you, but I'm seeing somebody and it's all like that. Uh, And then she went off and I never saw her again. So I finish my transaction and I get back into the car with David and I tell him this story and he goes, what <laughs> you asked out Jessica Harper. And I said, yeah, remember we were writing spec scripts and I said, someday, someday we are going to be producers and we are going to be casting our show And Jessica Harper is going to come into the room and she will rue the day that she didn't go out with me. So flash forward, big wave Dave's and in came Jessica Harper. And I mean, obviously, we had no malice whatsoever. I mean, it was really funny. And when she came in, I was even thinking of just telling her that story going into the audition. But then I figured, "Eh, if I don't and she doesn't get the part, is she going to call her agent and say that we had a vendetta against her? And, uh, you know, it's going to cause all kinds of stuff. Anyway, she read and she was okay, but there were other people who we thought were better. A couple of years ago, I wrote about this in my blog, and somebody who was a friend of Jessica Harper showed it to her. And Jessica Harper wrote me a note and said, oh, my God, that is a great story. I would have loved to have heard that story. <laughs> I would have loved you told me that story. But anyway, Jessica Harper was really a good sport. Let's see. Who else? Bruce Greenwood. We passed on him. Uh, Again, they were just people better. Curtis Armstrong. We needed a friend. We thought we needed a friend on Almost Perfect for Nancy Travis. And we brought in Kathy Griffin. She didn't read. We hadn't really written anything. We were just, at that point, trying to create this character. And we thought, well, if we bring in somebody, we'll use their qualities and so we brought in kathy griffin another one that a half an hour with her just scared us just scared us she's like so off the wall um you know we mentioned how we were looking for a fran lebowitz type for the mary show well fran lebowitz kind of expressed interest and yes she's right but she's not an actress so how about that how about rejecting somebody for playing themselves moving down the list here penelope Ann miller uh, elizabeth perkins elizabeth perkins was uh, when we were writing the pilot of almost perfect me david isaacs and robin schiff and we have a prototype in mind elizabeth perkins was our prototype she didn't read for that part we got Nancy Travis but she came in and read for another part when we were doing snobs and she was really good but not really that character here's one that that we really wrestled with Jane Lynch came in and read she's damn funny she is damn funny but she wasn't at all the character and we spent a good couple hours debating whether we alter the character drastically and in a sense really change the dynamic of the series to accommodate Jane Lynch, or do we try to find somebody who is very funny and more along the lines of the way we pictured the character and the way we envisioned the series As a whole, and so we didn't go with Jane Lynch, but uh, that series didn't go anyway. But that was that was a tough one. Anna Gasteyer came in and read for us. David Hasselhoff, (laughs) David Hasselhoff came in and read, and was not too good. But in fairness, David Hasselhoff was a very good sport about himself. He clearly did not take himself all that seriously. When we did the movie Volunteers back in 1985 that starred Tom Hanks and John Candy and to play the part of the love interest, the young Peace Corps gung-ho volunteer, we cast Rita Wilson. But the other two finalists, who did not get cast were phoebe cates and kirstie alley and it was kind of a pickem between the three i mean i would have been happy with any of them um let's see dabney coleman dabney coleman is a great actor we love dabney coleman dabney coleman played buffalo bill he played uh the boss in nine to five he was in war games he plays one of the best villains ever so the part this was for that mary tyler moore series was kind of a cary grant part in his girl friday where he was an editor and he was kind of sleazy but you didn't know whether he was sleazy or charming, whether he was really underhanded or he was the kind of guy that pushed you to do your best. So you wanted a guy that, you know, was always going to keep Mary off balance. Was he a really charming guy or was he a dick? And we loved Dabney Coleman and we knew he could play the sleazy part We just weren't sure whether or not he could play the charming part. So we wanted to read Dabney Coleman. And his agent said, no, you have to just offer him the part. And we said, well, we can't do that. We're not going to meet our star, our co-star the day of the first table reading. We wanna sit down and talk to him at least. We wanna talk about the character. We want him to read the script, have his thoughts, see if we're all on the same page. It's a very important role. And he wouldn't do it. We said to the agent, look, he doesn't even have to read. Okay, just, we'll meet him. We'll go to lunch with him. It could be as informal as possible. But we just have to sit down and meet Dabney Coleman before we can hire him. And he wouldn't do it. And we talked to Mary about it. And Mary said, well, I play tennis with him uh, sometimes on Saturday afternoon. And we said, Mary, call him up, which, <laughs> you know, because – and she understood our position and, and agreed with it. And she called him up and she says, Dabney, just go down and, and meet with him or have lunch or dinner with them." have cocktails, whatever. And he goes, I would like to, but I've got to follow my agent's advice. So we passed on him. We went James Farantino, who turned out to be absolutely terrific, absolutely everything we wanted and more. How Dabney Coleman would have been, I have no idea. But Dabney didn't get the job and Dabney, then fired his agent because apparently he really wanted the job. Uh, Len Cariou is another. And finally, there were a couple of scary guys. Robert England, who played Freddy Krueger in The Nightmare on Elm Street, he came in and read. And Tobin Bell, who is Jigsaw on all of those delightful movies, he came in and read... And he wasn't right for the part, but I gotta tell you, Tobin Bell was really funny. And if I had a part in a comedy that he would be even marginally right for, I would jump at getting Tobin Bell. So there you have it, 50 or so actors and actresses who we rejected for one reason or another. And again, the point, I'm making here is that even when you get rejected, there are other jobs out there and there are other opportunities for you and sometimes you're not hired for idiotic reasons because your hair is too long or your hair is too blonde or you have blue eyes or your your voice isn't right, or you have a voice that sounds similar to another character, or they need somebody two years older or one month younger. There are so many things in addition to just your performance that you have absolutely no control over. You just can't take it personally. You just have to keep going. And like I said, Kathy Bates went on and won an Academy Award. Lisa Kudrow went on to be in Friends. And so that will do it for this edition of Hollywood and Levine. As always, our thanks to Adam and Susie Meister Butler, Howard Hoffman, John Wilfert, and Bruce and Jason Miller. If you want to get in touch with me, my email address is Hollywoodlevine at Outlook.com, Hollywoodlevine at Outlook.com. I am on Twitter at Kenlevine if you want to follow me. I am also on Instagram, Hollywood and Levine. I will talk to you again next week. Thank you so much for listening. Good luck to you. Hopefully, for all of the rejections, you scored that big one. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Hollywood and the Vine. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader.